Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Welcome to episode 24 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy, and I've entitled this particular episode, Comparison Trap. I want to start by by sharing a little story. It has to do with one of my daughters, and this this took place actually a couple years ago now. Um, I remember I was standing in in our kitchen one Saturday morning. That kind of looks out. It's an open concept in our house, the back of our home, and and uh, opens into our our living room, our family room area. And I remember my daughter was uh, she was in the middle of our our family room there, um, and, and she had this stool in the center of the room, and she was trying this very detailed, very difficult gymnastics move. She was involved with gymnastics at the time, and this was one of her passions. And, and so I remember watching her as I was preparing breakfast that morning, Saturday morning, and uh, I remember just watching her, glancing over every once in a while, and I remember the look on her face as she would try over and over and over again this very difficult gymnastics move. Um, and, and I remember the frustration level beginning to rise to the point where she, she finally kind of, uh, she started moving things more abruptly. And I remember her just getting upset with herself. And I remember the deep breath and the deep sigh and, until finally I asked her, I said, hey, sweetie, what's going on? Like, what's the deal? Why are you so upset? And she said, well, I, I was just watching this YouTube video and I just watched this girl do this, this move that I want to be able to do. And she did it so easily and just made it look so simple, and I just can't seem to do it. I can't even get the beginning part of it right. And, uh, and, and I, I was able to have this, this real raw conversation with her just about comparing and uh, how easy this is to fall into this comparison trap. And I went on to talk to her about how she's forgetting that, that this girl didn't post all her failed attempts. I'm sure it took a while for this girl to be able to do this very detailed, very demanding move in gymnastics, but she didn't she didn't decide to to post all her failed attempts. All she did was post her highlight reel, and that's all my daughter is now comparing to is, is her worst, her failed attempts to this girl's highlight reel. And, and I got thinking about that as I, I look back on that moment and I think about this and I think about how many leaders today, deal with these same thoughts, these same ideas, and and how tempting it is for all of us as leaders, uh, regardless of what our leadership context may be, for us to compare and fall into this comparison trap as we are bombarded today in in our world today, especially with the rise of social media. I mean, we are bombarded with people's best. And let's face it, let's be honest, let's be real today, which is what this podcast is all about, I hope, is that we can be real here. And, and let's be real, nobody, nobody posts their failed attempts, their worst moments. We have this tendency to want to post our best, our highlight reels. And we, we don't often post all the failed attempts or the 17 selfies it took to get that perfect angle with that perfect duck face. And, and I call those the highlight reel moments. We, we tend to post our best. And we, we like to leave out with editing now and all the editing. I know there's even touch-up tools and we, we, we don't even post our real selfies because we touch up our selfies and we make them, we make ourselves look better than we even are in person. And, and that's just kind of our, and we, we all can, can be tempted to fall into that comparison trap. And, and we fail to see the costs and realize the sacrifices that, that one maybe had to make 
to post that that one moment of greatness, that one achievement of success in, in whatever that looks like for us. I mean, it's probably not gymnastics for most of us, but whatever it is, whether it's ministry, whether it's business, whether uh, something you're leading. And, and here's here's one of the truths that, that um, I've quoted for years, and I think it's true today as well, is that greatness doesn't go on sale. Um, and I don't want to dive too much... Um, too deep into that today because that's not really where I want to go today. But but I, I just wonder today is, is how many of us out there as leaders are, are kind of trapped into comparing our failed attempts to someone else's highlight reel. And uh, without, you know, without remembering that, that greatness doesn't go on sale. Greatness comes at a cost. There are sacrifices that are made to, to, to really nail that one gymnastics move that my daughter was trying to nail. There were sacrifices that this girl on YouTube had made to get there and to achieve that. And we don't know that. And we'll probably never know that. How many failed attempts, how much practice, how many years went into being able to do that very intricate move. And so I want, I want to start by asking you today, how do you deal with comparison? Um, let, let's, call, let's start by calling it what it is. It is a distraction. If you remove all other components of comparison, it really comes back to the fact that it, comparing to, to somebody else, regardless of how you do that, whether that's on social media or in person, or, or maybe you live in close proximity to somebody else in your same city that's, that's doing what you do very well, uh, regardless of how it's done, it is a distraction. And I know there are all kinds of other distractions, but comparison is gaining traction, more and more traction. The, the, the higher and higher um, that, that social media begins to rise, you know, in terms of how many people are using it and how many people are on it, uh, I just think comparison is, is becoming more and more of an issue today and more, more of a distraction, actually, um, for leaders today. Um, I, I can think, you know, uh, I think in terms of ministry, for those that are that are coming at this and listening to this from a ministry context, just think, uh, you know, you have this incredible night of ministry. Maybe you're a youth pastor or a kids pastor, or maybe you're a lead pastor. You have an incredible Sunday, and then you go home, and Sunday afternoon, what are you tempted to do? You, you start scrolling, you know, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. This is what we do, right? We start scrolling through the Instagram feed, through the Twitter feed, whatever it may be for you, through Snapchat. And, and, and we're sitting there and we notice that this other ministry, quote unquote, across the city or in our same town uh, has just had an incredible morning or an incredible ministry night as well. And, and, and this is really what we're supposed to be celebrating. But how often do we sit there and we start to feel negative or, or deflated about what we've just pulled off or what we've just been a part of? And we start and we fall into the comparison trap. And I know it's easier said than done, you know, to, to be able to celebrate those moments. But, but in, instead of celebrating, what often happens is we want to bury our face in our pillow and maybe it's ugly cry all night. I don't know what it looks like for you, but we really start feeling horrible about what we're doing and what we've been a part of when I don't think that was God's plan or God's intention all along. Now, here's the bottom line. Here's what I want you to get more than anything else today, and it's this, that your comparison issue is really not, is really not a comparison issue. It's actually a vision issue. Your comparison issue is really a vision issue, and I want to unpack that in a moment. But here's what Proverbs says, and uh, 
I want to say just to all our business listeners, maybe you're not coming at this podcast from a faith background. Uh, I want I want you to know there's been many times throughout this podcast where I do talk about faith elements and and just my faith in God, and so I don't apologize for that. But but bear with me as as I talk about Proverbs for a second and talk about the scriptures and what they have to say. But Proverbs says, "Where there's no vision, the people perish." People die without vision is basically what what that verse in Proverbs is saying. Uh, Now, allow me to paraphrase that for a moment. Where there's no vision, the leader will be distracted and begin comparing to what every other leader around them is doing. See, what you really need, leader, today, leader that's listening out there and maybe feeling deflated, maybe feeling defeated because of what somebody else is doing you and, and maybe doing it better, what you really need is a strong vision. And when that is strong and clear, what you'll find is the distractions become weak and blurry. Not sure about you and how familiar you are with, with the scriptures, um, but the Bible's broken up into the Old and New Testament. And in the Old Testament, we find this prophet named Nehemiah. And um, you may not be familiar with the Bible at all, and that's okay, because I do believe that the principle I'm going to unpack here is still applicable for you, regardless of, of what you believe about the Bible, about Scripture. I think this is still helpful and can, and can really help you in your leadership today. And so Nehemiah is there. Um, we find him in, in the book of Nehemiah, is written the account of his life, and uh, he's, he's there serving a king. And he gets a visit as he's serving this king. He gets a visit from his family and friends um, who are from Jerusalem. And he asks about Jerusalem specifically to his family and friends. And he says, hey, how is, how's the city? Uh, Nehemiah still got this heart for the city of Jerusalem. And he asks them, what kind of shape is it in? And his family and friends go on to tell him, yo, dude, Nehemiah, I, I'm, I just want you to know, like, it's not good. Um, the walls are torn down. It's in chaos. There's no leadership. It's just... Um, it's vulnerable right now. And, and what happens is Nehemiah is stirred by their response. He gets stirred and he takes it before God because he's not sure what to do with it. His heart is so broken and so stirred for the city of Jerusalem. He takes it to God and God ends up giving him this great, big, massive vision to go and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. Now, there's only one problem. He's currently got a role in serving the king. And so what does he do? In Nehemiah 2, we find him. He goes before the king. And, and the king sees that there is really something that's upsetting Nehemiah. And so Nehemiah has this opportunity to share this vision, this God-given vision, God-given dream that he's been given. And, and what happens is he finds favor with the king. And the king not only releases him to go and do this and to fulfill this vision, but he releases the resources as well to accomplish this great vision as well. I just think that's so cool. And I love this story found in the Old Testament. Um, and, and I want to say this before I move on. I want to say, don't believe the lie that leaders often believe. There's, some, there's really something really cool here. And, and often I think as leaders, we, we are tempted to believe the lie that if I just had more resources, I wouldn't be so distracted. I could pull off what that other leader is pulling off around the corner. I could do it the same way. If I just had more money, if I just had more people, if I just had more resources available... I could be doing the same thing. I could be posting the same things on Instagram that they're posting. They just have way more money. They have more resources. They got a bigger budget. Whatever the case may be, you fill in the blank. Here's what I want you to see from the the story of Nehemiah. You don't actually lack the resources. What often I find with leaders is they lack the vision that warrants you having those types of resources. Now, again, uh, I don't want to apologize for my faith background, but here's what I believe. I believe God will give you the resources 
based upon the size of the vision that you have faith for. And so Nehemiah was actually granted all these resources needed to accomplish the vision that was given to him by God. And so oftentimes when I look at leaders and they're whining or complaining about the lack of resources they have, I don't think it's a resource issue. I think it's a vision issue. Again, it comes back to vision. So here's the question to ask. Why would God give you resources when you lack the vision to use it? He's not into wasting resources. He's going to go on and give those resources and release them to people that actually have the faith big enough to believe for the vision that's big and huge in their heart to do something to advance the kingdom. So what are we supposed to do then? What's the answer to comparison? How do we deal with comparison? Because I, I think this is, this is something that is wiping leaders out and, and causing the, them to become so distracted that they're off mission and uh, they've lost sight of the vision. And on that point, I'd say the very first thing in combating care, comparison is to get a vision for your life and for your area of leadership. First and foremost, you need a vision just like Nehemiah had. And that will guide you. It will keep you from being distracted. And I'm talking about the kind of vision that actually stirs your heart, just as Nehemiah's heart was stirred. The kind of vision that makes you weep. The kind of vision that keeps you up at night. The kind of vision that gets you fired up. It actually has the power and propensity to get you out of bed in the morning. I'm talking about that type of vision. And this may happen, and it often happens, by asking all kinds of questions. You notice uh, Nehemiah didn't have a vision until he asked a question. And and that's what I believe vision is. Vision is often the solution to a question. It's a solution to a problem that comes by posing questions. And I'd I'd start by saying, what is your why? What is it? Maybe it's to to build a business. Maybe to help people that are under... I I don't know what your why is. I don't want to put words or, or ideas in your heart, in your mind. But you need to figure out what your why is. Because your why will actually get you out of bed in the morning. When it's a difficult day, when you're going through a discouraging season, your why will keep you, will, will, will cause you to stay at it when it's hard. So maybe you need to start, if you don't know what your why is, if you don't know what your vision is, maybe you need to start just by simply asking what kinds of problems uh, are people facing in your area, in your community, in the line of business that you want to start or, or you're already a part of. You need to get a solid vision, and that vision is often a solution to a problem. So what, are, what types of problems are people facing in your area? So if you're in ministry today, maybe you're leading a church, maybe you're leading a ministry, what types of problems are people facing in your community that you're trying to reach? If you're in business today, what types of problems are people facing of, of your customer base, of the, of the people, your target audience, your target market? Uh, what types of problems are they facing that you could actually be an answer to, you could be a solution to, you could help with? What's the current state of the generation that you're dealing with? And how could your leadership bring change to this problem? Just as Nehemiah's quest was, the problem was the city of Jerusalem lays in ruins and, and Nehemiah started asking, how could I be a solution to that problem? And God began to stir his heart for that. And beyond that, let me just say for a minute for all the leaders out there, vision really starts with you personally and with your family. And I know so many leaders out there that have a great, awesome vision for their, for their ministry, for their business, for whatever area God has called them to lead. But can I just say, don't forget about your family. 
I feel like so many leaders out there that are, are leading such great things, great ministries, great businesses, uh, whatever the case may be, while their family lays in ruins. And so I'd just say something that, that really my heart was stirred for many years ago is to get a vision for my family. And so we have a vision statement. I won't tell you what it is. Um, it doesn't really matter, but we have a solid vision that God gave me many years ago, and it's plastered on our living room wall, um, and, and then we've got some core values surrounding that vision. And uh, it, it guides us as a family. It, it guides our decision-making process as a family. And, and so I just want to encourage you. That's kind of a little side thing I wanted to add in there. But get a vision for your family, for you and, and your family, um, before you even take the time to get a vision for your business or your ministry or wherever area that God has called you to lead. And I do want to say, too, the size of your vision matters. Get a big vision. I mean, if we really, and forgive me for, for talking so much about my faith background and, and, and uh, my belief in God, but if we really do believe God is big, uh, so big, then, then get a big vision. Get a God-sized vision. Something that if God doesn't do it, there's no way it's going to happen. And the other thing I want to say in this area is, is to give your people time. Give the people you're leading. Maybe it's some employees. Maybe it's staff. Maybe it's uh, people in your, in your church, in your ministry. I want to caution you um, in going slow when you're bringing the vision to your people. Um, be sure you've... This is something I've learned in leadership over the past number of years, almost 20 years now in ministry leadership. Be sure you've allowed your people the time to buy into you as a leader before you cast all kinds of great big vision. Because people won't buy into your vision until they've bought into you. And that takes time. And that happens, the currency that that happens through is relationship. And so you've got to allow people to get to know you before they begin to trust you with this vision that you're trying to sell to them. And so that's a key leadership principle that I do want to say here when it comes to vision. You really do need to take the time to allow your people, your staff, um, whatever that looks like for you, your employees, you need to take the time to allow them to buy into you first before they're ever going to buy into your vision. Um, I know for me personally, uh, I'll give you an example. The last church I, I was at in the ministry position I had been given there, it took seven months. I had to wait seven months before I started casting some great big vision to to the people I was leading, to our leadership team and our student ministry that we were leading there. I, I had I waited seven months to give them time, to uh, allow them the time and the grace to buy into to me and, and my spouse, um, to buy into us as leaders before they would, were ever going to buy into our vision. And uh, you need to be gracious with that and allow people the time to do that. And so we were so intentional about getting to know those people and building trust and, and gaining relationships with them. Um, so eventually, we could start going somewhere. We could start doing something. We could start being the solution to a problem in that area where God had called us to lead. And uh, so I want to say that here. And, and the last thing I want to say on this getting a vision for your life and your leadership, and I want to caution you on one thing. You see, I believe vision will take care of comparison. But here's the deal. It will not cure temptation and the attacks from, from the enemy. Again, I'm coming at this from a spirit, through a spiritual lens, um, and so maybe you don't have that spiritual context that you're listening today, and that's okay. Uh, but I, I do believe, you know, you look at the life of Jesus in the New Testament. Um, he, he was tempted constantly, just like we're tempted. And so it doesn't mean that those temptations for comparison are going to go away, 
but it's so much easier to combat those when you have a strong vision from God about your life and your leadership and, and what God's called you to do with your life. And, uh, and so I do want to say that. And the second thing I want to say, so get a vision first and foremost for your life, for your leadership. And the second thing, when it comes to, to answering comparison and dealing with comparison, I want to say this, stay at it. Stay at it. I know that might seem so simplistic, but let me unpack it for a moment. The second most important thing after getting a vision is to stay at it. Don't lose sight of the vision that you've been given. You need to keep it out in front of you at all times. Write it, uh, write it somewhere visible that you see it every day. And I'm serious about that. Write it somewhere and put it on your mirror. Put it in your car. Put it, I don't know, put it in your office, wherever you're going to see it constantly. And, and what I'm talking about is your why. Right. Whether it's a little phrase, whether it's a word, whatever your why is, that is your vision. You need to put it somewhere visible that you can see it. So when a day is difficult, when you're not feeling good about getting out of bed in the morning, you're going you're gonna to remember, nope. This is why I have to do, this is why I have to get up today. This is why I have to go into the office today. This is why I have to stay at it because this is my why. And use it to lead. Lead with your why. Always lead with the why. There's so many books on leadership out there about starting with a why and knowing your why. And so this is why it's so important to begin there because it will help you stay at it when, when it's difficult, when you go through difficult seasons, which you will, just like Nehemiah. If you go to uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, if you want to read the book of Nehemiah, I encourage you to read the entire book. It's not a long book, but there's so many leadership principles found in the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah 4, we begin to see his first opposition show up. And then Nehemiah 6 um, his enemy actually tries to go after three different things, his time, his character, and then tries to get his own people to go to turn on him. And what does Nehemiah say over and over again? He says to every distraction that his enemy tried to throw at him, he said this, he says, sorry, I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. And you want to talk about staying at it in the midst of distraction, in the midst of comparison, Nehemiah had, he was so committed to the vision he had been given by God. He didn't allow any distraction to take him off that wall, to building that wall. And he, he kept saying over and over again, sorry, I can't come down. Not right now. I'm doing a great work. And I want to encourage you with that. No matter what the enemy, no matter what your enemies or your opponents, your opposition throws at you, no matter what this world throws at you in terms of distraction, be so committed to the vision that there's no time to be distracted by anything, let alone comparison. And remember, your comparison issue is really a vision issue. So get a vision for your life, for your area of leadership, wherever you're leading today, get a vision for that. And then two, stay at it. Regardless of the distractions that come your way, regardless of the, the times that you're tempted to, to compare to what somebody else is doing around the corner, and maybe it looks like they're even doing it better than you. Hey, guess what? At the end of the day, you're not going to be evaluated on how well somebody else did it. You're going to stand before God, I believe, one day, in eternity, and we'll give answer for what we did with our lives, for what we did with the God-given potential that was put inside of us, the God-given vision that he gave to us. That's what we'll be accountable for. So it doesn't have to look like anyone else. Success looks like what has God given you to do with your life? What is, what is your why? And then are you doing that with absolute excellence, with your best? That's what we're held accountable for.
And so that frees us from comparing to how anyone else is doing it or what it looks like for them. So why do any of this as we wrap this up today? Because when you get a vision for what God has called you to do, you won't have time to be distracted by what the other ministry in town, what the other business around the corner is up to. If it's really God-sized, it will consume you. There won't be time to be distracted by comparison because it will consume your thoughts. It'll consume your time. So let me close by just giving you some practical aids today to help you in this. Four things I just quickly want to touch on as we wrap up. Four things that might help you practically as you combat um, comparison and the comparison trap that we often fall into. First one is this, and again, this is coming from a spiritual context, so if you're not, if you have no spiritual uh, context, then, then just ignore this. It won't really make sense. Um, but I want to first start by saying pray for those you feel competitive towards, those you're often tempted to compare to. I want you to start praying for those people. And don't, don't just do it privately, but do it publicly in front of your people. If you're leading a church ministry or um, a youth ministry or a kids ministry, wherever you're called to lead, um, I want you to pray for them not only privately but publicly because it shows something to your people as well that you are actually celebrating what God's called them to do. And that will begin to break off this, this temptation to compare to them as you start praying for them. You'll be amazed at what that does and just tears down the walls of competition. Two. Second thing is build a bridge to them. Maybe go out for coffee with them. Just begin to tear down all the walls that have been put up around that other person that you're so often to compare to. Maybe call them up if you're at a distance. Maybe they're leading five hours away in a different city completely and you, you can't just go out for coffee. Well, give them a phone call and say, hey, I've just noticed you're seeing some success in your area of leadership and I want to ask you a few questions. Yeah, just think about the bridge that that would build to them. Maybe you'll be shocked at their response. Maybe they'll say to you, hey, I've also wanted to ask you some questions because I, I just think you're nailing it. You're killing it in this area as well. And so can I ask you some questions? You'd be amazed at what that will do. Third thing is, um, and this is a, a big one, um, maybe take a break from social media. Like if social media is the is the prime culprit in your life for comparison, maybe take a break. Maybe it's time to do a fast um, or to be conscientious even about uh, what you're looking at and when you're looking at it. Maybe you're most often looking at it after you've just completed a moment of ministry or a moment of leadership and that's when you're most tempted to compare and feel deflated or defeated about your own leadership. Then maybe don't go on it after youth or after church. On a, maybe just stay off of it. Um, for your Sabbath, uh, for your day of rest, like just completely go dark for, for 24 hours or, or maybe longer and take a, take a long fast and just see the difference it'll make in your own, your own heart. And then finally, fourthly, uh, I want to say this, begin to build a network amongst others that you're feeling competitive towards. Maybe start hanging out socially. Uh, maybe ask if once a month you can do a Skype call or a Zoom call and just ask them questions. Again, this kind of goes back to building a bridge, number two. But maybe eventually you'd begin to build a bit of a network amongst these people that you're often tempted to, to compare to. Begin building relationships. Uh, become prayer partners. Be, you know, Build a network of, of uh, even maybe a learning group or, or whatever that may look like. I remember uh, years ago when I started in a, in a city of, of ministering, there was a bunch of youth pastors at the time in, in all of our churches. Uh, there was a bit of competition between some of the churches in that city at the time. And so 
I remember us getting together the first few times and I had been asked to lead kind of our section, our, our area, our city for, for us youth pastors in, in our specific denomination. And so we, we began getting together and I remember our very first lunch together, I just kind of laid it all out on the table and I said, you know what, I know there's been some competition over the years across the city and I, I just, my heart is just to tear that down. We are, we are better together. We are in this together. And just think of what we could do um, to advance God's kingdom here in this city if we were on the same page and, and realized we're all on the same team. And so that's not even, I don't even want um, ministry conversations so much as I want personal conversations. I want to build relationships with you people in this city. So let's hang out. Let's do some social things together, even with our spouses. Let's, let's start building friendships and let's, let's pray for each other when we get together. And let's not be con- so consumed with what each other is doing in terms of ministry or how large our ministries may seem or be. Let's just tear all of that down and let's make a dent in this city for God's kingdom. And I'm telling you, over the next few months and even years, uh, we just began to see traction and we began to support each other. Even on social media, we'd, uh, we'd post things and, and it began to gain traction even across Ontario. People began to notice and make comments about how solid um, and, and what, a, what a solid network was beginning to form in this city where I was leading at the time. And we, we became friends. We, we, began to, we loved being together and just hanging out. And you know what? Uh, we hardly ever talked about the size of our groups or, or what we were seeing happen. We, sh- we did share resources um, and, and we did some events together, but it was more... Um, we were just we just found over time that we were so much better together, and so I want to leave you with this statement that I've been using um, even in my own life and leadership and, and especially wherever God is calling me to lead. And it's real simple. It says, "We over me, we over me." And, and really, what that's saying is, we are better together. You are better together. And so wherever you're leading today, maybe it's in business. Find some other like-minded businesses that are doing it well. Maybe even doing it better that often maybe in the past you've been tempted to compare to and you end up getting defeated or deflated about how much better they are um, in their area of leadership, give them a call, send them a text, reach out to them through social media, ask if you could you could set up a phone call and just ask them some questions and begin to tear down those walls of competition and comparison. And, uh, and just know that, that we over me, that we trumps me and we are better together. And so uh, start to, to build those relationships today and just see where it could go down the future. So uh, I do want to just a, a quick recap. Remember, comparison issue is really a vision issue. So get a vision for your life, for your area of leadership, and then do what you have to do to stay at it. Be so committed to that vision that it guides you, it leads you, it gets you up in the morning. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Leadership Matters podcast Until next time, remember, your leadership really does matter. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters Podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.